point of contact is very important. It's the first chance that a debt suggester has to set those expectations with the insured. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you reach out to them, let them know who you are, let you know you know what company you're calling from so they're aware, give them your contact information, and mm-hmm. then basically just go through how this is going to work. Back again here for season two of the New Adjuster Podcast, episode three. My name is Murphy Bugs in the Property Training Department. With me, as always, is David James, also with the Property Training Department. And we are super excited to have you here with us today. Again, as we dive into episode three, we've already had two up to this point. In the first episode, we did a recap of Hurricane Ian from this last year from the perspective of a desk and a field adjuster on the property side. And then in episode two, we dove into more of the RDL section of things with Deshaun Taylor. She went over licensing, certifications, and really how you get into the business of adjusting and really what are your first steps to get your foot in the door. If you missed those episodes, go back and give it a watch on our official YouTube page or give us a listen on Apple and Spotify. But thank you so much for joining us today. All right, let's jump right into episode three. And this one is called Diving Deeper into Desk Adjusting Beyond the Basics. So in season one, we touched on this topic just a little bit. We went over kind of a high level overview of desk adjusting. So this season, we want to dive a little bit more deeper into it, obviously, as we got some great feedback from that episode. And I think it's something and a topic that we can expand on even further. So joining us today is two very special guests. Firstly is... Kelsey Arrington, Property Claims Manager. Welcome. Thanks. And also joining us today is Mary Berry, Property Claims Manager. Awesome. So we are super excited to have them here with us today. Again, two very special guests, been here a long time, done a lot of great things with CNC. So thank you. First question that we really want to go into today. So about desk adjusting, just to kind of recap from our discussion in season one, Mm -hmm. give us kind of a high level overview, Mary, of desk adjusting. What is it? What goes into desk adjusting just from 30,000 feet? Well, first of all, I just want to say that desk suggestion is one of the most important parts of the claim process. Um, your desk suggester handles the claim in its entirety from start to finish. They are the point of contact for every entity on the claim. For anyone that is a part of the claim, that's the person that they're going to contact, whether it's the insurer, the agent, the um public adjuster, the attorney, they're going to contact the desk adjuster. Also, um, they're the liaison between vendors and um, our field adjuster and just talking between everybody, just letting them know what's going on and making sure that everybody knows what's happening throughout the claim process. And they're also just the claims professional. They are the ones that are going to explain to the policyholder what their coverage is, what it looks like, what they can expect throughout the entire uh, process of the claim. So being a debt suggester is very important and it's going to they're going to make sure that the claim is handled throughout the whole process. They're going to handle it. They're going to be the person that you speak with. They're going to be the person that you talk to and just handle it from the beginning to end. So, you know, payments, anything, any questions that anybody has on any level, that's going to be your main person that you go to to handle and take care of you throughout that claim process. Absolutely. I was going to add to that, you know, issuing payments. That's a huge thing in the claim. The desk adjuster is the one issuing every payment to every vendor, every payment to the insured. They're verifying all the payments are correct. And and that's a big part of the claim, issuing payments. So... Right. So in a way, really, as the desk adjuster, you're sort of the lifeline for that policyholder. You are the main point of contact. Cradle to grave, the main contact. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Good way of putting it. What? um, So 
you mentioned you, you gave an, a both of you gave a great overview of uh, technology. Where does it come into play as far as that goes? Like, <clears throat> say we're we're looking at an estimate mm-hmm. uh, that they write or uh, trying to make sure our measurements are right. So we've got, you know, Eagle View, we've got Hover. <clears throat> do they, uh, is that a piece of the desk adjusting? Do they need to know that uh, part of it, how to interpret it, how to read it, where it comes from, how to import it? Absolutely. I I believe that a desk adjuster needs to know um, the importance of how to read an eagle view, how to work exactimate, how to just know those tools in order to make sure that what they're getting is what they're getting in from the field is is factual, Mm -hmm. you know, that they can read it, they can understand it and then they can find any errors that may Mm -hmm. be there in order to make sure it's fixed before it goes out to that insured. Yeah, absolutely, because they're the one explaining it to the insured. They're the one going through the estimate, telling the insured what, what's covered. So, you know, they have to understand it to understand, to explain to a contractor or to the insured, this is what we're covering, this is what's included on these line items and Xactimate, and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I, I guess, um, you know, looking at from, from the desk side, getting into it, it's really more than than just making a phone call and being a uh, you're you're a customer service representative, but you need to to be more involved rather than just answering yes or no and forwarding them to the next department. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just kind of going off of what you said, a contractor. You know, sometimes contractors give us wrong measurements. Mm-hmm. So if that adjuster is aware of what the Eagle View says and and what those measurements are, they're going to be able to, you know, counter or go back and forth with that contractor mm-hmm. and let them know that, hey, this isn't right. This is what our um, Eagle View or our, you know, measurements say. Mm-hmm. So what, where are you getting yours from? Send me what yeah. you have, right. you know. Right. We always want to come to a resolution. For exactly. Sure. Yeah, so I think when it comes to desk adjusting, too, a lot of people think about tools, actual hardware, right, that a field adjuster uses. But for us, it's more, we have tools, but they're technology tools. It's more software. Mm -hmm. So speak to some of, like, the softwares that a desk adjuster uses every day throughout their claims process. So we use our claims management system, but we also use exact analysis. We use that for absolutely everything in the life of a claim. So anything from the field adjuster, it's going to be an exact analysis. We have the ability to access all of their documents, all of their estimates, photographs. Uh, We also use, you know, um, exact contents so we can review, insureds can submit their um, contents estimates Mm -hmm. and they can submit um, those things, itemized photos of it. You know, they provide those to us so that we can review them in-house. Right. And exact analysis works, you know, in conjunction with our claim management system. So if something doesn't come over, um, you're able to go in there and push it through so that we can receive it on the end within our claim management system as well. So those two go hand in hand. You know, most companies have their own claim management system, but exact analysis works across the board with a lot of different systems. So that's one of the main ones I know that at CNC we're using and a lot of other carriers are using as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the more, one of the the more recent ones is claim experience. Do you have any in, uh, experience that, in that? That's actually where I was going with the contents conversation right. was claim experience. But you know it, that you send an invite to an insured and that gives them access to the claim. They can review documents. We send mortgage verification forms through there to say, hey, can you confirm this is the correct mortgage? Because if we don't do that, mm-hmm. every 
payment that's issued is going to be incorrect. Um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna uh, ask you what do you mean mortgage verification form? Lots of folks don't know that, but yeah, um, can you speak on that more as far as why? I mean, why is that important? You kind of did, but it's important of- because uh, mortgage companies are listed on larger claim payments. Um, they have an interest in the property, so mm-hmm. they are listed on payments over a certain amount, and it depends state carrier what that amount is. But the mortgage company will be listed as a payee on a check for um, property damage mm-hmm. so that they um, will have to endorse the check. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that it is correct because your mortgage changes quite often. And, you know. Yeah. The, so, so the policy, it, it's uh, states in there that they have a vested interest in the, in the, Absolutely. In the, uh, the claims process. So they need to be, it's our responsi- responsibility actually to make them aware Mm-hmm. Uh, of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've known in the past, in my experience, like you said, it, the mortgage company is subject to change. So, you know, if you don't verify it, even if it is the right one, <clears throat> each mortgage company has their own uh, process. Some of them may have a local branch mm-hmm. to to go to and you just sign off on it and they endorse it and you go along with it. Other ones may want to do their own inspection, mm-hmm. may want to set up a separate account to put the money in and disperse it as uh, the repairs are done. So, I mean, that goes back to, you know, kind of the whole overall claim experience, back to the desk adjuster, mm-hmm. being able to explain that, uh, give those expectations. Yeah. So, staying on topic as far as technology tools. Now, and I'm thinking about from terms of a new adjuster. So, as a new adjuster, you sit down at a desk, all this is new to you. Mm-hmm. Do you have to provide that software or those tools up front? Is that provided to you by CNC or the IA firm? Do you have to have that up front? How's that work, Mary? Well, for CNC, I know that that's something we have in-house here. So when an adjuster comes in, we do have the program where they're able to access it. Now, training and things like that, if they don't have it prior to coming in, I'm sure that's something we can assist with with getting them up to speed on how to work it out, how to go through it, how to access it in order to work the claim. But here at CNC, we do have the access for them to get in and able to work it as well as our own, you know, our claim management system as well. They're able to come in and work those items right there at their desk. Okay, good deal. Yeah. We provide computers, um, software, all of that's already on their system. They, the software that's on each person's computer is determined by which department, which carrier they work for. They automatically have certain programs on there that are utilized by the specific carrier. Yeah. So in staying on that, too, I know a lot of times, again, for new adjusters, they come into a deployment like one for CNC. That's that anxiety factor right off the bat is not knowing, do I have what I need? Do I need to bring it? Is it already going to be provided to me? So I think that eases some of that stress level right off the bat. Yeah. Okay. good deal. From a desk adjusting standpoint, uh, communication obviously is going to be key. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're a customer service representative. Uh, going into that, whenever you whenever you give me an idea of how important making that first contact, setting the expectations is what I like to say. Giving somebody, put yourself in their shoes. What would you want to know? Uh, well, you know, if you're following the claim, point of contact is very important. It's the first chance that a desk adjuster has to set those expectations with the insured. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you reach out to them, let them know who you are, let you know you know what company you're calling from so they're aware, give them your contact information, and mm-hmm. then basically just go through 
how this is going to work. Set them up for how the claim process works. Because if I wasn't insured and I've never filed a claim, I don't know how that's going to work. So if I am an adjuster and I'm contacting them, I want them to know, hey, I'm your adjuster and this is how this is going to go. We're going Mm -hmm. to set up those expectations, what you're going to see throughout the claim. You know, your field adjuster is going to come out. They're going to call you. We're going to give you a coverage determination and estimate. I'll go through that and talk to you about that explain that in detail with you and then on that first contact you want to ask them specific questions that you know we need to know in order to set that claim mm-hmm. up for success mm-hmm. absolutely questions like confirming that data loss confirming that the policy is active um, <clears throat> seeing if there are any active leaks do we need to send out leak detection that's a huge mm-hmm. thing um, we're, we're confirming a lot of things on that first initial contact but that first contact can also help with determining coverage down the line. So if you're setting those expectations on that first phone call, Mm -hmm. they know what to expect when you make that second phone call Mm -hmm. about the coverage determination. Right. So there's no surprises. No surprises. Right. There shouldn't be. Because if I'm an insured and I'm Mm -hmm. filing this claim, I want to know the steps. Otherwise, I'm calling every day saying, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. When's this person coming out? What do I do next? If you set them up for success that first phone call, smooth sailing Mm -hmm. the rest of the way. Yeah. So in the claims process, we talked about first contact. Let's fast forward a little bit. So we'll fast forward past the field adjusters portion because as a desk adjuster, which is on topic here, you know, the, the file comes back in. Obviously, there's file reviewers that look at the estimate. They make sure that it's correct, policy, mm-hmm. endorsements, exclusions, all that has been applied correctly. Does a desk adjuster do like a secondary review before they get into the actual coverage determination, Mary? Because I know that's yes. the next step in the process. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I'll make sure that all of my adjusters take the time to look at the estimate, to you know look at everything that came back from the field. Even though we have a QC department here, we're human. We all make mistakes. Sure. So if they just take the time to go through that, they may find something that may be wrong that we need to fix. So it's very important that they take the time to go through that estimate, read those notes from the field adjuster, and just make sure that everything that the QC has made the determination for lines up with what our field adjuster has written in his notes, and also the estimate lines up with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. You're reviewing the estimate. That's what you're basing your coverage determination off of. You're writing your coverage letter based on that estimate. If you don't know what's in it, you don't know what to tell the insured you're paying for or not paying for, for that matter. Right. So It's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, think about it like this. So you've never, we're, we're in the business, right? We work in Xactimate. We know what R&R, half-inch drywall means, Right. right? Not everybody does, right? Right. I mean, so you give it to me, and I'm just like, I don't even know what this means. I'm gonna, what am I going to do? I'm going to call you and say, explain this to me. So, I mean, from from an adjuster standpoint, from the side, uh, inside, you you want to be able to, you've got to be able to break it down and, mm-hmm. and explain it to them. Um, even with uh, contractors or folks that are doing the repairs, they may not work in Xactimate. They may do handwritten estimates. They may write out. You know, went to Ace Hardware or Lowe's or Home Depot and bought all this. They don't know. It may be the same thing, but you've got to be able to relate that to what right. it is Absolutely. that you're addressing. You're you're telling them, hey, you get a contractor's estimate. And they're like, well, we have to have this much money to do that. And you say, well, if you look at this Xactimate line item, mm-hmm. these items are included in that line item. Right. You know, some of the contractors, like you said, that don't use Xactimate and insured, they're not going to know that these three things are all covered, they're included in the price in that one line mm-hmm. item in Xactimate. Sometimes it, it even comes down to you going through 
line by line and explaining to the insured what this is, what it means, and what we're covering. Well, you should, like you said, because if you if you do all it up all of it up front, you don't have to go back and forth. You may be out of the office That's on right. vacation, and you somebody else has to pick up the file and. It wasn't explained to them, so it, you know they're having to take time to go over that. If you do everything up front, like you said, um, to the best of your ability, it eliminates a lot of uh, unknowns and, and escalations. For sure, yes. Um, so, go ahead. Yeah, so we talked about you know coverage determination, too, and when you get to that. So you're explaining to them what is covered, what's not covered, why is it not covered. Obviously, you got to have some policy you know, information and knowledge there to be able to back it up. So you write a letter, then you go to issue the payments, which is what everybody's waiting for. Everybody's waiting on the check, right? So how do you explain to them, hey, this is why the check is this way? A lot of times people don't know what depreciation is. And they ask, how do you explain that to them? And talk a little bit too about what is recoverable depreciation? Because that's a buzzword that everybody hears when you get to the end of the claim. So Mary, you want to take that one? Well, first of all, when you're having that conversation with the insurer, I like to let them know that everything that we're discussing today is going to be in a letter, in a coverage determination letter, and it's going to be written out for you. Um, it's going to explain everything that we're discussing, and it's going it, that's going to be something that you have in hand to show you what we're paying, why we're paying, what we're not paying, why we're not paying, okay. and um, just go into that. So what I also... Um, instruct some of my adjusters to do is use your coverage determination as a talking point. You can, it literally will take you through everything you need to because you have to list in that coverage determination when we came out, what we inspected, what we saw, what we covered, why we didn't cover it, what in the policy covers that, what doesn't p- cover that, and so on and so forth. So it's like a timeline. It's like a timeline. It almost gives you a talk path. It gives path, you yeah. a talk talk path in order to have a successful conversation with your insurer and then when you follow up with that in writing it makes it a easier transition for them to understand and know what's coming about so when you get to the part when you're explaining the estimate and you're talking about what's on that estimate breaking it down for them if they have questions if they don't understand you know hey you're going to get this up front but there's also um there's also this amount that's here for you, um, if you get this repair within this amount, you have to say, you know, you have to break it down to them and go through um, each section of the estimate and explaining, OK, your roof, your roof's ten thousand dollars. That what that's what we're going to give you. But of that ten thousand dollars, we're going to go ahead and give you eight, you know, and then so on and so forth. So, you know, you just have to take the time to break it down and sometimes even put it in layman's terms because they may not understand the terminology that we're using. So you just break it down to make sure that they understand and ask them before you get off the phone, hey, what questions do you have? Does this make sense? When you get this estimate, give me a call. And if you have any further questions, let me know. Right. Most of the time, if they follow that talk path, they won't have too many problems. You you know, you then you'll run into your situations with your supplements and things like that. Right. But once they understand up front what they're getting, what we're taking care of, what we're paying and why we're paying it and how it's being issued through that conversation, it kind of sets them up, sets the adjuster up for success. And that insurer knows what to expect throughout right. the rest of the client. A couple of things you, you've, you've mentioned that I want to touch on. Um, <clears throat> communicating that explaining it to them but if you for me i always stuck to the policy and explained it to them yes you know you 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 have replacement costs yes okay if you do 
and this is how it's addressed. It's it's going it's it's designed to put you back in the condition you were prior to the loss, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So depreciation may apply <clears throat> based on the age and condition, mm-hmm. right? And that's how it's depreciated. It is recoverable, right? As of right now, the condition that it's in, it's worth this much. Exactly. Okay. So you're entitled to recover X amount to equal the replacement, up to the replacement cost, not to exceed it. Okay. Anything outside of the replacement cost, if there's upgrades, uh, anything additional, you know, that's really your responsibility. But I want you to understand that this is a fair market value Mm -hmm. for what it is. And you have, this is kind of like your budget to work within. Now, Mm -hmm. if if there's any supplements, by all means, we want to to put you back in the condition, make you whole again. But we just got to, we don't want to give you an expectation. Here's $10,000 mm-hmm. or $20,000, but my estimates for $40,000, what's the rest of it at? And that's something <laughs> that I, it's just learn as you yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. Because every yeah. customer is going to be different. Every They're going to have questions. Uh, they're going to look at it a different way. And you just, yeah, they're going to want to know, well, why I'm not getting all of this <clears throat> now? You know, they're going to want to know that. So it's important for us to take the time to communicate that to them up front so that when that supplement comes in and maybe they're not going to get that or, you know, they may not meet that full amount when they turn in their final, um, you know, paperwork of everything being completed and say, if it's lower than that, well, why didn't you said I was going to get this? Well, if you have that conversation up front, you kind of. Get ahead of all Set of that. Set that expectation. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. We've 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 estimated to be ten thousand dollars. The actual cash value is six. You know, it costs you eight. You're 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 uh, able to recover what it actually costs. Exactly. Even though we estimated ten, it only cost you eight. So I mean, so that's, that's all you're gonna get. <laughs> right. See, right. like like Mary said, you want your coverage determination letter to outline everything. You want it to read how you would talk to the insured. Mm-hmm. So you're speaking to them and saying. This is what happened. This is what we're paying for. The letter itself should break down all of that. It should say, this is how much we're paying. This is depreciation. Mm -hmm. This is what you do to go about recovering depreciation. Mm -hmm. It should lay out everything step by step for the insurer to look at. So there should be no second guessing. If you go and read to them, basically, the beginning to the end of that coverage letter, you should have no problems. Right. You know, it's, it should break it down. It's like a timeline. Every state, every policy is different, but some some allow, what, 180 days. Right. Some allow 365. Mm-hmm. Uh, some allow two years. So it's right. all, it's very crucial to to let them know. Yeah. And like in Florida, you only have so many years to file a claim after the date of loss. You mm-hmm. only have so many years, months to mm-hmm. file a supplement mm-hmm. or request the claim mm-hmm. to be reopened. And yeah. insurance don't know these kind of things. I yeah. wouldn't know so, if I didn't do it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, oh go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, because what you were saying, too, about having so many months or however many mm-hmm. years or whatever, I know with the Senate Bill 2A that just came out that really came into play at Absolutely. the beginning of this year. You know, you got yeah. one year to file the claim from the date of loss because mm-hmm. way back when, you know, you could wait three years to file a claim and it just gets more and more messy then. You know, in a supplement yes. claim, it's 18 months. So, yeah, there's some time frames in place to where, to your point, if that's in your coverage letter, it helps them understand, okay, these are my parameters. This is how long I've got. This is what I've got to, to work with. Yeah. And as long as you explain everything that's in that coverage letter, there shouldn't be problems. There should not be questions. If they have questions after that, you did something wrong. 
All right, so in coverage letters too, I, I feel like maybe folks, new adjusters are looking at this and they're furiously jotting down notes. Mm-hmm. I got to remember to order yeah. it out this way and talk about all these different A to Z points, but these typically come in template form, am I correct? I yes. Mean, it's given to you to where it's kind of just fill it in as you go, right, yes, Mary? Yes, absolutely. Um, we have some cl- coverage determination letters that are set for basically almost each policy every um every carrier has. Right. So with that, we have preset them with the coverage um, information already in it, the policy information already in there. So basically all you're doing is taking the time to go in and just fill in the blanks. Right. Fill in the blanks. We came out there on this date, this time. We saw this, you know, this is what was wrong. This was what was damaged. This was what was not damaged. And per your policy, you go through and you select the um, whatever, if we're denying anything, you select the policy information that's in the letter that goes with what we're denying. Yeah, that so kind of outlines it's outli- it. Yeah, yes, yeah. it outlines everything in the letter for you. It's already set up. You put in the insurance information at the beginning. You put in uh, your information at the end. Um, attach all your attachments and enclosures to it. And pretty much just packages up, pack it up, package it up and send it off. But everything is right there in that letter set for that adjuster and all they have to do is just go in and add in specifically for that claim. We've got letter libraries. So we've got several for each type of claim, the type of scenario. So we have some with policy language already in it for it's this type of policy. We're denying for this. Here's the letter that you need for that with the language. So there's hundreds and hundreds of letters with certain scenarios that we have all stockpiled and ready to go. So not doing too much work, but doing just enough to make it perfect. We love a good, perfect letter. Yes. (laughs) It makes it so much easier. It does. Okay. New segment on this week's episode, fact or fiction. So David, give us our fact or fiction question to our two great guests. today. Okay. So let's, uh, let's hear, hear me out now. So when you get a temporary license, that lasts as long as you're going to work the claims. Fiction. What? Mary? It's fiction. Why? Why is that? Because an emergency license only lasts a certain amount of time, so it's going to expire. Um, so what should you do? Get your license. You have a real license. <laughs> get you your real license. Get your real license. That gives you time to get your license. Right. So gives that, you a little leeway, that sets right? you up. You can right. start working a claim, but during the time you're working a claim, go ahead and just... Dive deep into the licensing. Get it. (laughs) Yeah, so in the off-season, you can go ahead and get your permanent license if it's available or if you can afford it. If not, emergency license will get you through the first however many days Mm -hmm. while you're getting your own. Okay, good deal. That's right. Good deal. All right, let's jump back into it with our questions with the amazing Kelsey and Mary Berry. So, Kelsey, I know you and Mary a lot of times do a lot of interviews, right? New adjusters are coming on. They're candidates, whether it's for a CAT deployment or for daily work. You know, they're trying to submit resumes and get on the roster and actually get deployed to work for us. So, when you're siphoning through these people's resumes, what are some skills qualifications, certifications that really jump out at you on the screen? What are some things that as a new adjuster, it's good to kind of have in your tool belt to really stand out from the crowd? I would say, you know, be an Xactimate certified, level one, level two, maybe level three. You know, um, if you have any kind of experience and certifications in Xactimate, that is amazing to see because you are going to be reviewing estimates. You're going to be looking at them. You should know how to write them, how to look at them. It's not required. Again, um, being bilingual is another one. Um, Really 
looks great on a resume, uh, something that we're always looking for. Um, you know, just just having a lot of licenses as well. Not a lot per se, but, you know, having them listed in a spot where we can see them, like right. at the top of your resume that mm-hmm. says, I'm licensed in these states. And being sure that your licenses are updated, that they are renewed at the time that you're submitting that application or yeah. that resume. And that's that's really good to have those things. Um, Those do jump out to me when I see them on a resume when we're looking for an experienced adjuster. Uh, Some of the skills that stand out for me is making sure that a person is organized because this is the type of field that you have to be organized in. You can't necessarily come in and just be all over the place. It won't be successful. So with that being said, I make sure that Within the first week or two, I pay attention to how a person sets up their day. I pay attention to how they, you know, uh, attack their assignments. I want to make sure that they are on top of what they're doing. They're keeping up with their metrics. They're keeping up with the amount of claims that they have because you, you just can't come in and be all over the place. That's one of the main things that I think stands out for me for any adjuster, whether they're new or whether they're old, because if you're a new adjuster and you're organized, you can still be successful. Yeah. And I know one thing too, I've heard both of y'all mention it. A lot of times when somebody has a background in customer service, that stands out too, because in the grand scheme of things, David says it all the time, you're a customer service rep first and foremost. So I know a lot of times Mm -hmm. that's a really nice kind of base to have when you get into adjusting too. Customer service. I am so impressed when you're proficient in Excel Mm -hmm. And when you're proficient in Microsoft things like that, that is impressive to me because that shows your organization skills. Correct. That shows that you understand these computer systems yeah, that you're jumping savvy. into. Yeah. Tech savvy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you have all of these things that you are proficient in, that's important because you're going to be using them here. Yeah. And also, if you are on our roster and you work with CNC, seeing that you come to the training classes, mm-hmm. we put out a lot of different training classes um, for, you know, people that stars? are, <laughs> you guys do. <laughs> you know, we do a lot of training. Um, some are carrier Thank specific. You. Some are just, you know, <laughs> customer service oriented or just teaching you how to adjust one on one. Like seeing people attend those classes and make sure that they're there and they're attending lets us know that they're serious about what they're doing and they really want to come work for our company. So that does stand out to me. When you see their name on several things, you see their name or you see them walking into the office, you're like, hey, you know, I've seen them down the hall. I've seen them showing up to David and Murphy's classes. It's just a way to be prepared. You, You know, my what I live by are my five P's and that's prior <laughs> preparation prevents poor performance. And so if they are prepared by coming to the classes, calling in, making sure they update their, um, you know, their, you know, their licenses on their roster, speaking to RDL, just making sure that they stay at the front end of, you know, our minds so that when it's time, we're going to call them, you know, checking in and just making sure that we know that they're ready. They're on the roster. They're taking training classes. They're getting their certifications. Um, That's going to make them stand out ahead of anybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. They're taking it seriously and they want to be here. That's what we want to see is they want to be here and make it an effort to do so. Yeah. So I think what you're saying there too is required is the licensing of it. Yes. The additions and the the pluses on top of that are Xactimate certifications yes. and coming to trainings. It only yes. makes you more deployable exactly. in a sense. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the to the training, by the way, I'm going to have to get your, uh, what did you say was the five Ps? Yes. I need to get that after class. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, 
training with us is going into your profile and updating your um, your licenses, mm-hmm. your classes, and you get points, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you so do. that plays into your um, your pay. Yeah, we'll, yeah. That's for another conversation. But, um, <laughs> and your deployability. Really. That's right. That's exactly right. 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 It's showing the initiative. I think you said that yeah. earlier. It's showing the initiative that you want to uh, do that. So going back into um, desk adjusting, and, and both of you have talked about it before, is the collaboration piece. Um, I know you, you mentioned you would be, you really wear, from a desk adjuster, you wear several hats, mm-hmm. right? Um, and being able to communicate across the uh, the company. Mm-hmm. You know, that's with your, obviously your supervisor, um, <clears throat> fellow adjusters that sitting next to you, you can mm-hmm. bounce questions off of, uh, help them out, uh, field adjusters. Mm-hmm. How does that, how, what is that, how successful versus unsuccessful if you just come in and, and you know, the biggest thing Murphy says this all the time uh, is having an ego um, and you know it all. Not having uh, an ego. Not having an ego, <laughs> you know, if, but <clears throat> one or the other, it, it, how do you, how does that play as far as, where do you see someone that's that's able to work with someone versus that is going to do it on their own? Which one's successful versus? Well, what I look at in a situation like that is when we have team meetings and we have things that require us to come together, who's willing to come together and help the next person? Who's willing to, you know, step up and say, hey, I see you're struggling with this or, you know, you're struggling with that, but not in an egotistical way, but just in a way to know that I'm helping out my teammate because mm-hmm. we succeed together. It's sure. just, and, and some people say in adjusting, yes, it's, it's individual based. However, if the team fails, we all fail. Mm-hmm. So just being able to differentiate the type of person that is going to be able to collaborate and, you know, work well with others, you see that in a team setting. And mm-hmm. for me, it's all about, you know, if I see one person is good or better in this area, I might get this person to come together and mentor or work with them. And how do they work under pressure? How do they work with that person? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a way that I try for my team and for the people that you know I uh, supervise or manage I look at everybody's strength and I also look at their weaknesses as well but I try to pair them together to see if they're going to you know work out and if they can work well together so and also just being a leader and showing you know hey I'm able to work I'm I may be your manager however I'm still going to come sit with you and right. see what you're doing, how you're handling your claims. Right. So I, I don't think I'm so uh, above or, you know, more than it you. Doesn't go very far, I, does you it? can teach right. me something, right. you know. So yeah. it's just being able to show people how to collaborate, you know, and being in a pe- position such as this. You are you have to be the example. Leave so set example. the example yep. and then also from there watch how they, you know, maneuver amongst one another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just just like she said, the team fails, you know, you as an ind- individual fail. But if your team succeeds, you also succeed. So a big thing, not only um, coming together and and figuring out a solution to a problem, but just speaking up, yes. just just having the courage to say something and say, hey, I'm struggling with this mm-hmm. or I see someone struggling with this. It's so hard nowadays. And I feel like that's something we as a department sometimes struggle with is people speaking up 
you know, yeah. what we, we said on the calls yeah. that we've had is ask for help. Yeah, if you don't ask. know, ask. ask. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I go help. back to this, too. Everybody had a first day, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, the three of us kind of all started together. David's yeah. been with us, obviously, the last couple of years, too. But each of us in our career as an adjuster, we all started and didn't know zilch, right? We Correct. were day one new <laughs> adjusters. And somebody mentored somebody. us. Somebody took us under their wing, mm-hmm. showed us the ropes, and got us to where we are today. And we owe Absolutely. a lot of gratitude to those people, like yes. new adjusters. Yes. When they start, there's nothing wrong with asking the person beside you because they know more than you do on day one, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But they're only going to help you get to the point where now you can mentor and take the next person under your wing. You just kind of pay it forward. So Absolutely. And not only that, but you're, in, especially in a group setting, if we're having group meetings or um, even in the office, I promise you, if if you ask the question as a desk adjuster, you ask the question, there's three people sitting on your same row as you. They're like, dang, I was wondering right. that. Yeah. I, was, I was too afraid to ask. Or I promise in every single scenario, if you have the question somebody else has already or is currently dealing with the same problem. That's yeah. right. And the I mean, only question that's a dumb question is the one you don't ask. Yeah. So, that's and that's exactly how right. I present it to, to my team. Like, ask me. I don't care what it is. Ask me. Because you never know, you know, if you're sitting back here and just holding back and you need to ask that question, you may make a mistake that could mess could be up. prevented. Yes. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to yeah. make mistakes. But you, if you can ask to get the guidance that's there for you, that's provided for you, that's the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. So like to just ask the question or have the conversation because my input on a situation, I'm just going to say, looking at policy language and interpreting it, for an example, I can have look at it a certain way and, and read it. And then I can ask the person sitting next to me, hey, what do you think about this situation? Mm-hmm. They interpret it completely different. Mm-hmm. So we always have these situations. I'm, I'm just saying sitting over in the office that hey, here's what's going on. How do you look at it? How do you interpret this situation? Mm-hmm. And you get everyone's opinions. And I, I've been doing this a while, and I am you know, have a department that works with me, but I learn something new from them every day coming and asking a question. Yeah, I sure. learn something that I, I did not know the answer to, right. or I didn't yeah. think about it like they did. So yeah. the collaboration right. and working together is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Right. Exactly. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. And I think to kind of cap it off, too, and you mentioned it, you know, about team meetings and stand ups. Mm -hmm. I know as desk adjusting groups and managers you have with your supervisors Mm -hmm. and people that, you know, that that work underneath you and with you, we all have our own group messages, right, Mm -hmm. where everybody can collaborate all at the same time. And I know you both encourage people to Mm -hmm. speak up, ask training, ask me, your supervisor, ask your neighbor. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a big piece, too. Like I said, when you start, you're a little you know, you're a little afraid to mm-hmm. ask the question because you don't want to seem like you're the one that doesn't know. But to your point, too, a lot of times other people don't know as well. And that's why that collabor- collaboration point is so huge that you can bounce those ideas and questions off others. So Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. find a buddy in the office that you're yeah, like, that, right. that you work with, you know, mm-hmm. get that person to say, hey, what do you think about this? Even if it's not asking them a question, but getting their opinion. Sure. Insurance, working in insurance as a desk adjuster, there are so <laughs> many ways to get to the same answer. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a problem. There's so many different ways to go about it that Mm -hmm. just having somebody to talk to, talk through a situation. And it's just like you say, get get a partner. Kelsey's my partner. I just became a manager this (laughs) year. And she has helped me, you know, grow. And I've come and ran and asked her questions on, well, how do you do this? Or what do you do when you do this? Or, you know, and it's, it's not being afraid to ask for help. 
You know, if you're stepping into something new and we all, you know, step into something new every day, you know, every day we wake up and we come to work, it's a new situation. Mm -hmm. So we, we just have to be open and, you know, available to learn that, hey, it's not going to, you're not going to have a perfect day. You're not going to be perfect. There's always someone there that has the answer. So just ask. Absolutely. Right. Right. There's, there's, you know, from a new adjuster standpoint. Uh, there's four things that I was when I first started out with a uh, deployment that was coming near near the end. Um, I went and asked my manager. <clears throat> I was like, "What's it going to take for me to stay deployed?" Mm-hmm. You know, because you hear well, the, there's the claims are not coming in, we're working down. It, you know, it's going to be longevity. And I, I wrote them down, and I looked at them every so often just to remind myself. But uh, the four things for me was they told me that. Uh, was to be on time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, be coachable. Yes. I think both of you have said that. Uh, you're going to make mistakes. I mean, you're new. You know, you're going to learn. Being able to take the feedback in a positive way, it's, it's not about, I know more than you, it's about this, look at it from this angle, mm-hmm. like you said. Maybe this will help. Uh, licenses, mm-hmm. right? More, the more you have, the more deployable you are. And then finally is surveys taking care of your customers. That's going yeah. to, if you work your claims the right way, that's going to pay you back and, you know, create longevity. So it's going to reflect there. So absolutely. <clears throat> yep. All right. This was an awesome conversation today. Kelsey, Mary, can't tell you how much we appreciate you being here. Obviously, Kelsey, recurring guest. Mary, first time here. I'd love to have you back, maybe in season three. Maybe we yes. can tease that, right? right? Have you back on the show. So, again, this was amazing. Good question and answer. Good conversation. I think very helpful for yeah. new adjusters to hear this about desk adjusting. A lot of times they think adjusting field adjusters on roofs and crawl spaces. But desk is a whole nother side of the fence, right? Whole that, new ball game. Exactly. So, going through that today, obviously, super helpful. I'm glad we dove deeper into that after season one. So those are kind of my closing thoughts. Again, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. David, you got any closing remarks? Uh, No, I mean, you pretty much said it all. I just want to thank both of you. You gave some great insight, advice, uh, just a a perspective from doing it for so long and Mm -hmm. and those that may have questions. So I I appreciate it. It Thank y'all so much for having us. We have enjoyed it. Definitely enjoying myself for my first time. There you go. All right. Thank y'all. Back again for another MythBuster section of the New Adjuster Podcast Season 2. So let's talk about a common misconception or a myth in desk adjusting. The myth is that you have to have a field adjuster on every claim. It has to be a two-party claim. David, why is that a myth? Because there are, with the way things have evolved lately in the claim uh, industry, you can handle claims over the phone uh, without having someone go out and physically inspect. Uh, There's several methods, and it it really depends on the carrier and their preference. But, you know, for example, you know, <clears throat> when I started, I was like started in a unit that actually talked to the to the claim, um, the policyholder that filed the claim. And, and we asked them questions and they told us what was going on as far as their damages and was told based on what they're saying, if the policy allows coverage for it, then we write an estimate for it. Right. And I was like from the desk, from the desk. Yeah. Right. I was like, OK, but. I mean, it makes sense, you know. I mean, if you're if you're saying that you have water leak, you know, to the living room, and the policy affords coverage for that type of loss, then what are your damages? Let's go ahead and pay you, and get your uh, claim closed so you can 
get your repairs done and, and move on. Yeah, and I think that goes, too, with a lot of lower severity claims. So you can't do it on your high dollar total loss claims. But it is a common misconception that you have to have a field adjuster in order to do the desk adjusting portion of the claim. Right. And, you know, really, that's how, for me, starting out, that's I learned that way as far as adjusting overall. And that's going not just making a first phone call and, and saying you're going to have a field adjuster and then they get through with it and you close the claim is actually I worked it from start to finish. Exactly. Thank you everyone for watching and or listening to David and I today with our two very special guests. If you missed any of our previous episodes, please go into wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple or Spotify or also on our official YouTube page. You can refer back to our previous episodes as well. Now our next episode, we will dive into essential tech for a desk and a field adjuster. So really exciting topic uh, that we dive into next. Again, thank you for watching and we hope to see you again.